are we? I am so excited to bring you this week's episode. It is a juicy one. This week's guest is Nikita Tu Bryant. She is a Taiwan-born Aotearoa New Zealand-based artist, known for fronting psychedelic pop trio Kita. Nikita has also worked in theatre and film as an actor, writer and composer. She is an all-round shredder, and when I met her, I was somewhat starstruck, even though she authentically came up to me after seeing me perform, telling me that I was great, and I was quietly like, oh my god, I haven't met you before, but I've heard amazing things, and what, you want to be my friend and do karaoke at 4am? Oh my god, okay, cool, wow, I still don't even, yes, um, yes, thank you, ha. Huh. I do manage to keep my composure more than what I do just then. Um, Nikita's articulation and raw honesty really put the pep in my step and it shook off some of last week's lowness that I was experiencing and I share in episode five and thank you so much for the really um, warm, gentle response to that, uh, for seeing me, for hearing me and yeah, it's really making me want to keep on on going for sure and overcoming all the imposter and imposter syndrome. Anyway, in this episode, Nikita talks about how she aims to live in a way that is artful and mindful. How not having a backup plan makes you go after what you want. She talks about growing seeds of tomorrow, her relationship with herself, with self-deprecation, alcohol, learning from childhood trauma, the artistic process, and positive change. She gives her perspective of her experience of Taiwanese cultural norms for females and also of her experience of racism in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And at around the 35-minute mark, Nikita tells a story of an experience of racism she had at the supermarket which was quite intense. And she also talks about the Christchurch terrorist attacks. So heads up, if you aren't up for that kind of conversation today, you can come back and listen at a later date. Nikita was on the land of the Ngāi Tāra, Ngāti Ira, Ngāti Kahungunu, Ngāi Tahu and Ngāti Mamoi tribes in Te Whanganui Atara, Wellington, New Zealand. And I was on Wurundjeri country in Nam. Melbourne. Nikita has an epic laugh and a massive heart. She's got a wonderful mind and I hope she brightens your week in this episode like she did mine. Enjoy my friends. This is Nikita to Bryant. Well, we're here and I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for having me. You're my guest today. <laughs> Who are you? Um, I am Nikita, and I'm currently in my whare in Newtown in Toiponeke in Wellington, Aotearoa. Um, I'm an artist. I uh, play music, and I like to make things. And I think in general I just like to live in a way that is artful and mindful and share that with people, tell stories. Thank you. I open my I open my podcast with that ambiguous question because it's always very interesting how people come and 
to live a life that is artful and mindful and share it and tell stories. That's beautiful. What do you think, um, because that's your job now, right? You're a full-time artist. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you go moving that transition from your hobby or your joy being also your paycheck? Mm, Oh, I'll have to go. I'll have to go digging here. Let me have a little think about that. Um, for me personally, I didn't know what I was going to do when I left high school. Um, I had no idea. Um, and it, it felt like everyone knew before I did. Everyone was like, well, you're going to go sing, right? You know, because I was the singer at school. Um, well, yeah, you're going to go sing. That's what you're going to do. And I was like, oh, am I? Is that Okay. Is that a thing? Okay, can you do that? Okay. Um, And I was really, really um, lucky to have, you know, despite coming from a Taiwanese heritage, my mother never pushed on me to be a doctor or a lawyer or any of that kind of like, I guess, stereotyped and stereotyped for a reason too, um, kind of upbringing, strict uh, traditional upbringing. Um, There was definitely concerns along the way when I was starting to turn – art into I guess a sustainable living um but one of I I guess like one of the most potent landmarks I still remember um in that timeline was not knowing what I was going to do going to the guidance counselor and she said well yeah you're going to be a singer obviously um moved to Wellington I'm from Wellington everyone's really lovely there it's not like oh dare I say it it's not like Auckland like you, you smile on the street, someone will smile back at you. And I was very Your school naive. guidance counsellor said this. That's so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, I'm I'm notorious. It's it's a <clears throat> it's a blessing and a curse. I'm notorious for being really spontaneous, um, but also just without thinking, making really impulsive decisions, and then just trusting that everything will fall into place because it has to. <laughs> Even after it does, it's terrible it has to work out like after the storm there's always the calm right so she literally just handed me a book um the the curriculum for New Zealand School of Music go to Wellington people are great there they smile on you on the street go to this jazz school you can do corporate gigs you can play your music you can do theater there's a great art scene da 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 and so I was the first in out of my sister and I to actually like move away from home and even though my mum wasn't a super traditionalist she was like well you're going to stay home till you get married (laughs) I was like wow mum well yeah no um (laughs) um so anyway I I literally went home that day and I gave mum and dad this book and I was like I'm moving to Wellington next year and they were like what no you're not and I said what well, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm 18. It's, I'm going to do that. And um, my extended family, like my cousins and stuff, um, on my Taiwanese side, like everyone lives home until they get married, including the boys. And so everyone was just in shock. Um, my dad, who's Caucasian, he's from the South Island, he was also like, no. <laughs> I think he was also just really, really surprised that I, you know, for the first time just decided that I was moving to Wellington with no pre, like no lead up. I was just like, cool, I'm convinced. Yeah, great. People in Wellington, they smile at me. Awesome. I'm, I'm there. 
Um, and then after freaking out, they, um, yeah, they, they decided to look into the school of music and dad was like, oh, actually, it's a really good school and da 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 And so I ended up auditioning for, yeah, for that school as well as one in Christchurch. And then I got into both and then, yeah, decided to come to Wellington, actually because I heard it was quite racist in Christchurch and also being the only person in kind of my generation on my mother's side to move away. I wanted to be in the same island at least. And Wellington just had a nice vibe, you know. Um, oh, sorry, this is a real convoluted way to get me back to the point. One of the landmarks that still stand uh, in my mind um, in this timeline of like, how do I, how do I actually make this happen was I was babysitting my neighbor's children and she said, what are you going to do next year when you leave high school? I said, well, apparently I'm going to go sing. Apparently that's, um, there's a thing like I'm going to turn this into something that I can live doing, you know, which would be great. I didn't know it was a thing. Um, and she said, I'll give you a piece of advice. And that advice is don't have a backup plan. Don't have a backup plan. Wow. She said, yeah, she said, if you have a backup plan, you will always be like, oh, if this doesn't work out, at least I've got this to fall back on. But if you constantly have a fallback, you don't really fully invest your heart and soul. I don't even like using the word invest. Give your heart and soul and your belief and your faith into this, like, this is going to work out, you know? Kind of similar to what you were saying before, like, your current situation being, um, you know, like, being in Melbourne and really trying to focus your relationships and your heart and soul into the space. Otherwise, you're not going to get the full experience of Melbourne. Same, same kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. By the way, this um, isn't an ad for Wellington. Like, it is a nice place. People do smile at you on the street and it is less racist than Christchurch. But, um, <laughs> yeah. That's really special. And I think that's so cool that it happened at such a young age for you mm, mm. as well. And then from then on, you just like pew pew. You know, you got a New Zealand on air grant when you were like 15. Oh, right. you've done your research. I've done my research, babe. <laughs> you got it. Okay, so if I was to say to you, does it hurt when you do that? Don't do that. Yeah. What is that for you? Ah. Something that hurts. Yeah, hurts in a bad way, right? Not hurts in a good way. And I don't mean like <laughs> hurts in a good way. I mean hurts in a way that you know that this is bad for you and it's not like a growing pain kind of good. What is, oh, that is a really great question. Man, straight to it. Okay, wow. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I have, um, I have a, a very uh, passionate for, just using a different term, a very passionate personality, or I could say I can get infatuated or obsessive um, when I'm really, really into an activity or um, an experience um, with a person or a space. Um, I think a lot of artists are. Like, as soon as we get absorbed into a project, we just want to exist in that realm and we want to give our heart and soul into that, right? I guess this is, once again, often our strengths are also our weaknesses. And... Um, 
I would say for me, it's when I'm in an unhealthy, um, unhealthy emotional space, um, gravitating towards things that aren't good for me. And I know, you know, when you really take a moment to tune in and you listen to your intuition, you know that this thing isn't good for you, whether it's unhealthy relationships. Uh, that's definitely happened for me in the past and because I love being in love and the throes of being in love um, are also passion but with passion also has the same the same level on the scale your 10 of passion could also be negative 10 of like the really passionate bad stuff so I think like when I'm in an unhealthy emotional space, I can be really drawn to relationships that might start at the 10 and then kind of gravitate towards staying in that negative 10 area. And um, it's, that's quite unhealthy, I think. And it hurts my heart and it hurts my um, creative space because that is mostly my heart. Um, it's it takes up so much of my intellectual space because I'm trying to figure it out like even though I'm very emotional I'm often quite logic and how I um kind of wade through my emotions um and I don't necessarily also mean like just relationships with people I think when I was younger relationship with alcohol like I think that's quite common in New Zealand I wish it wasn't a common thing but it's just so quotation marks like normalized in Aotearoa um, and it makes me really, really sad. So I guess for me, that that relationship with alcohol from like a younger age, and I'm talking like, you know, early 20s and stuff, I've replaced that because I know I have a obsessive personality. Um, I've replaced that with surfing. So I guess when I'm in that emotional, unhealthy space, like how do I flip it into something positive? But, you know, like, for example, being in lockdown and stuff at level four in Aotearoa, you don't have surfing. You don't have surfing, yet you have alcohol. And it's like, I'm not saying that, like, we should go surfing, but I'm just saying, like, what what is okay in our society? It's just so interesting. What is okay? Like, alcohol is just so okay, quotation marks, you know? Like, yeah, and I guess, yeah, that's one of the things I'd say. There's many other things, for sure. Um, for example... Um, I've often described, so in English, they pronounce it as yin and yang and in Mandarin Chinese, it's ying and yang. So ying is the dark and yang is the light and the ying represents the feminine energy and the yang represents the masculine energy and there, the, the ying and the yang exists in all of us. And sometimes we have more ing, sometimes we have, we have more yang, right? Um, I think naturally, I, from personal, maybe like childhood traumas and stuff, which many of us have, I think I've always kind of existed in the ing, in the dark. And so knowing that about myself, I do everything I can to cover the bases, like cover the basics to ensure that I can balance the, the ing and the yang. Um, otherwise, I will slowly go down into the more of the dark space. Um, and so covering the basics means like eating really well. It sounds really basic, but like eating really well, 
and trying my best to sleep well and trying to do all the basic things like yoga and journaling to refuel my creative well. And because the thing at the end of the day, I want to tell stories to connect people. And I can't do that if I'm not in a good headspace. Because when I'm not in a good headspace, all I'm talking about are my own experiences, but I actually want to be writing about other people's experiences because the world is not just about me, it's about everybody, us as a collective. I don't even remember what the question was. No, you answered the question and you also like set up things for a million other questions. Oh, so okay, great. It was beautiful. Thank you. Um, I think that thing, you know, there's this notion or I wonder like – it seems like you kind of answered this. One of the questions that kind of came up for me was, you know, that what you said originally about like deviating towards like, I guess the extremes of passion and let's say despair or toil. Mm. And I think, do you, or do you think in my experience sometimes because I have this like creative lens that I look at the world through mm -hmm. I'm like oh but this is you know mm -hmm. this is terrible but what a legacy and <laughs> I can write through this pain uh-huh uh-huh like uh -huh. have you been mm -hmm. do, you, do you know if sometimes in times of your life you've let that kind of perpetuate because you're oh, like totally well, I can make art out of this yeah when I was younger when I was younger mm -hmm. there's this like romanticized like dark broody um classic kind of impression of artists that I'm really uh I guess now in my current evolution maybe because we're always changing that I am really trying hard to take away that stereotype because I don't want to be sad for the rest of my life. I don't want to um, be perceived as a tortured artist. I want to grow flowers and I want to believe when I plant a seed that there is going to be a tomorrow. Like, I don't want to be another statistic um, that has been so many of amazing artists that have existed in our world from, you know, whether it's like mental illness or suicide or drugs or alcohol I want to I want to change that narrative, and also as a, as a Taiwanese Kiwi, I want to be a role model, and show um, potential Asian families that think think that stereotype about artists that actually know there is a healthy way to do this, there is a sustainable way to do this. There are artists that go home early because they want to go surfing in the morning, or there are artists that get up at six o'clock in the morning to see the sunrise to go for a run up the hill. Like there is a way to not just because okay I'm not saying that I don't like art that is like sad and self-expression I think we experience stuff all the time a big part of what art has done for me in the past has helped me through traumas as a child and I think that was a really really big part of me as a younger form of myself as an artist but now what I've realized, and I often say this, is if I wasn't a musician, I think I'd want to be a social worker. I've always wanted to help people. I, I believe music is healing because it healed me when I was younger. And so, yes, it's important to talk about my experiences, but I don't need to generate my own drama to make art out of it. There is plenty of drama in the world, and there's plenty of people that don't have a platform to, to express what they're doing. So here I have... A space of privilege and um, I feel a lot for people that you know aren't as privileged as, as me you know because of their just the circumstance and um, that to me is what I'm really interested in and because there are so many we're all so different 
and we're, we're all trying to do the right thing but at the end of the day we're all just looking for connection and I just want to I want to connect people so sometimes I guess art acts as a space for me where it is about me and then a lot of the time I want my music or my art to be about people about everybody else yeah once again I don't remember the question you don't need that you're on it okay cool okay Okay, all good all good (laughs) I've had two coffees and I I, might not even remember the question either so great might as well (laughs) oh yes we're talking about the um the drama and the the heavy yeah Yeah. I I definitely think as well going back to your first question we're like that hurts don't do it you know I have I have been in relationships where it's like I love you I hate you oh gosh it's so passionate oh god I'm so angry and like oh all I can think about is you the thing is like I'm open to all experiences I'm so open and I know that a big part of living and a big part of understanding people is being open to experiences and I guess now if I'm drawn to a relationship like that it's more I'm curious to see how I've changed and if I've developed my communication skills or if I've developed my way of like holding holding my own self and staying true to my moral compass, that in this situation, even though there are similarities to a previous unhealthy relationship, how can I react in a way that's better? You know, so in, in my own curiosity, there's definitely a pull to that. But as soon as I see it going down the same kind of rabbit hole, I'm like, all right, this has to stop. Because at the end of the day, the most important relationship to me is my relationship with making. That is the most important one for me. Nice. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to need a moment. So, okay. (laughs) Because the thing that really, like, I love about you is, you know, what you say about that you're finding this common ground and you're using art, you're using your music and you're using your words and your movement to explore the narratives of other people, I guess, to shine a light and, you know, say, I see you and I hear you and I want to share what you've got because Mm. that's really special. Mm. And in that, and I guess this might also delve into your relationship with making, how do you go with self-deprecation? Because, you know, we grew up in New Zealand, which is tall poppy culture and also mm-hmm. Taiwanese culture, mm-hmm. especially for women, like you've mentioned, yeah. has this way of being like, don't rise up, stay down, mm-hmm. you know, don't make mm-hmm. a scene. So how, how what like, is there anything that you say to yourself when you're like self-deprecate, you know, to mm-hmm. to feel like you can, as I see you, authentically stand strong and powerfully, but also mm. have the same humility? I think... um that has been a really, really interesting road. Um, definitely grew up in Aotearoa, tall poppy, that was huge. And I I really think humility is one of the most important things. And I think there's a difference. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance. There's a difference between knowing your worth and thinking you're better than people. And it's not always easy. <laughs> it's, it's not always easy because there will always be people that judge you if you 
are confident in something you've been doing for a long time you know like uh someone is confident in a recipe because they've done it 20 times does that make them it's just it's just if you've done something for so long you know with with intention and discipline you're going to get good at it like at the end of the day that's just that's just what's going to happen right and so yeah i think self-deprecation um there was a really really long time where i really struggled i think especially with social media and really like oh is it okay to share this is it okay to be excited about this thing we've done that's really exciting and going hey look at this cool thing we've done and if i remember like what social media began as before it became this kind of like advertising tool that was to connect friends like back in the day like I don't know MySpace or Bebo or whatever you want to call it like and so when I'm excited about something I want to share it with my friends um, and if there are people that you know are friends with me on Facebook or are following on Instagram I, I would consider that they're interested in what I'm doing and so if I'm sharing and they don't like it, then they don't, they don't necessarily have to be a part of that experience, which would be if they are friends with me on those platforms. When I was younger, I, when I was more self-deprecating as well, I would also be judgmental of other people who were sharing. And I think this is the reflection thing that we experience is like when we feel insecure, we, we project that onto other people. Um, and then what I've realized is, it's not a competition. It's not a, it's not a, com I'm trying try not to swear. It's not a competition. It's, uh, I am inspired by art every day and it inspires me to make more art. So if anything is going to help me cultivate what I love to do, I in turn want to cultivate what other people are, are making and what they're experiencing. So as soon as I stop judging myself, I also stop judging other people. moments of insecurity as we all have like when I'm tired or when I'm not looking after myself like I'm not exercising I'm not eating well or whatever like I can go into those spaces because I'm a human being you know I'm not perfect no one's perfect and that's when I have to check in and be like hang on a second what's going on here and kind of observe that whole thing again and then reset I think um last lockdown was really beneficial for me because I play in a band called Kita and Ed, who has been in the band with me from the very, very beginning, we make in a very different way. And I've learned so much from his process and he's, I think he's learned a lot from my process. I've always come from a place of like feeling and like rough around the edges and just let it go and it's fine. And he's always been way better at being more meticulous and refining. Um, and at times, like over the years, we, we've, become better at we've kind of met each other in the middle but I would always be like sheer process I'm so interested in artist process I want to see behind the scenes like and I don't mind sharing all of that like from the get-go um, whereas some people would be like no 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 let it out when it's like finished and, and stuff and so my mind is like nothing's ever finished so last lockdown was really beneficial for me because I thought to myself because I didn't know what was going on with the pandemic and we still don't know what's going on with the pandemics but I thought to myself if today was the last day, what would I, what would I want to be doing? I want to be making. 
is it for anyone else right now it's it's not for anyone else it's for me because it's making me feel better so there's that like art for me art for the people and I was like okay cool I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make stuff I'm gonna share it naturally I felt really vulnerable sharing stuff that was unfinished and you know I was having really hard times in lockdown so it was just a massive like opening my heart and going take take it if you like it cool if you don't like it that's okay but it's it's an old ultimate like act of vulnerability sharing your art all the time is like it's very vulnerable right and then what I found was even though it was for me at the time a lot of people were reaching out saying I really appreciate you doing this you know art is really important for me right now because I'm having a hard time and seeing your process even though it's not finished so that that kind of came about going from art for me into art for the people and um Another landmark that comes into mind, like on my timeline, was when I was recording like a, a demo when I was like 14 or something, there was a producer who said, it was at Dawn Raid actually in Auckland, Tamaki Makoto, he said, Nikita, there will always be people that love what you do, there will always be people that hate what you do, and there will always be people that don't care if you do it or not. And it's quite blunt and it still stands with me today because like if I'm always trying to think about how to make stuff for people that don't like me or don't like what I do I'm 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 barking at the wrong tree you know yeah if, if I like something there will be people that like what I do you know it's just finding your tribe I guess which is what we're always trying to do that's Whoa. it. I talk yeah. so much. <laughs> oh, good. I'm going to put a hoodie on. Um, okay. I'll just pause for a second. Okay. So you ready for the next question? Yeah. Are you ready for the next question? I'm ready for the next question. Okay. <laughs> um, if I was to say to you, does it hurt when you do that? Do that. So it's that other pain. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. What would it be? Mm. The first thing that comes to mind is what I was saying before with covering the basics for me. I'm always thinking like, um, cause that's so many things, right? And in order for me to answer that, I have to simplify. So then I go, I pull back the branches and I find like the main, the main branches um, that it stems from. Once again, I'm gonna give context. So it's, I think a lot of people, and I've also been guilty of this, when they see you're doing something that is um, going well, they only see the part that's going well. They, they haven't seen like the 30 rejection letters or the 100 hours you've put in on multiple grant applications that never go through, right? Um, and I think I've recently been meeting quite a few people that have said, how do you just stay motivated all the time how do you stay like how do you push yourself to do these projects how do you like how do you have so much energy how do you get up in the morning and go for a run or like do 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 the stuff you know how do you just stay productive and I think yes a big part of me that does come naturally but also it's not easy I I don't really like running <laughs> I don't I get bored <laughs> Like, not because I'm so fit, but like, because I can't be bothered, you know, but um, I, I do, 
there is a part of me that is a bit of a taskmaster, a bit of a tyrant. That's like, do it, Nikita. You'll feel so much better for it. But I think I think that's the thing where people just think it's like something I want to be doing. It's not really. It's something I have to do in order to keep that yin and yang balance within myself um, so that I can live with hope as opposed to despair. Um, after covering basics, and covering basics is like so many things. It's like having having difficult conversations with people. Oh, that's a that's a that hurts. I know that's why I started this podcast because it's so painful sometimes. Genuinely, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this because it's yeah, yeah, difficult conversations, difficult conversations, and. Wow, it's uh that's resonating for me a lot right now and maybe for a lot of people as well. Especially during lockdown times around the world. It's such a time of introspection. Um everyone's holding the mirror so close to themselves. They they can't see what's behind them. And we're all doing it. And it's important. It's a really important part of our our growth process. Um but also what we find is we realize what our needs are, which is really, really important. And then we're like, okay, well, these are my needs. Um, maybe our living situation or the relationships we're having elsewhere. Um, my needs aren't being met and I need to be heard. I think being heard is one of the biggest things. I don't even think, for me personally, sometimes it's not even me voicing my needs. I need my needs met. But just me voicing my needs and the other person just hearing going, I understand, or I'm hurting, I hear you, I understand, or this happened, I hear you, I'm sorry. Um, so I'm thinking like difficult conversations. I, I believe any conflict can be solved with good communication, but that requires whoever you're communicating to, to be willing to make that work. When I was younger, I'd be like, cool, see you never, not going to have that conversation. And now I'm always thinking, if I just leave, nothing, I haven't gotten past that phase, you know? Uh, so that's what I'm working on, I think. Um, yes, yes, oh, yes. Okay, I just saw another one. I met you at Ignition. Um, that was an eight-day festival. I almost left four times, I think I told you. Um, that hurt, that hurt not leaving. Um, and I stayed because it was confronting and it was a massive learning curve for me and I stayed and I'm so glad I stayed, but yeah, that's without, without the work, hey, you don't get the reward. I know it sounds so basic, but it's so true. Like we know when things are good for us, I think. Um, and sometimes we make excuses for ourselves like, oh, actually no, I'm, you know, but um, I think deep down, if we tune in, we know when it's good for us. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> glad you stayed. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had that that 4 a.m. karaoke party oh, with yeah. Combat Dan. <laughs> it was on about oh my God. So, yeah. Oh, my God. It was so funny. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh God. Mm. Okay. So, maybe through the speaking of difficult conversations one thing that you have said in one of your interviews that I found from somewhere is I'm a feminist and Taiwanese culture is patriarchal 
Mm-hmm. They're saying that I shouldn't be outspoken, drawing attention or be desirable. Mm. So what has it been like for you to work through and or against these cultural mm-hmm. expectations and norms, both in Taiwanese and Kiwi culture? Oh, that's a big one. It's a big one, Joe. Um, okay, I'll start with so I'll start with the fact that it's not all Taiwanese people. It's my family. They're incredibly conservative. But because I left Taiwan when I was three, I just thought all Taiwanese people were like that. And it wasn't until recently when I went back and hung out with people my age who were surfers and super chill. And when we talked about our families, they're like, whoa, your family is real traditional. And I was like, oh, what? I thought, yo, we're all like this. <laughs> you know. So, you know, you don't know what you don't know, you know. So it's just one of those things. I, I drive a van. I sleep in my van. I'm, I moved out of home, um, which you don't do until you're planning on getting married. I'm not planning on getting married. Um, I, I work as a contractor. I don't have a steady job. Um, I, I, I do all the things that don't make me a quote, good Taiwanese. Oh, I laugh out loud, not behind my hand quietly. I ask questions not to defy authority, but because I'm genuinely curious and, and how things work, but sometimes it's, you don't need to know cause you're a lady. Um, I like to use like a saw and power tools and build stuff. I like to be in the sun, which then like stops me from being quote desirable because my skin gets dark. So that's the, that's like the Taiwanese side, and um, the the Chinese word, like Chinese written word for peace and quiet and silent and calm. It's it's language is quite different in Chinese. It's like the word also means all of its associations. Okay, so all the associations that go with peace. That character is the character of a woman under a roof, inside a home, domesticated, contained. That is peace, that is silent, that is quiet, that is calm, that is serene. So that is the um, preferred view of a woman. And I don't think, I'm sure there's elements of peace in me, but I'm not that all the time. Definitely not. (laughs) So that's the, that's the Taiwanese side. Now in Aotearoa, that's, that's like a whole nother thing because growing up in a Western country, you have this, in Western society, there is a fetishization, fetishization, I can't even say that word properly, of Asian women. Asian women are over-sexualized in Western society. Asian men are desexualized in Western society. And there is a stereotype of young Asian women being with men, white men that are much older. And I experience I experience these interactions often. And um, I guess also it's... Um, even more dramatized because a lot of Asian women look young for a long time because they stay out of the sun so that's not going to be me (laughs) um but they look even younger than they are and then they're also this generalization potentially with older white men um but that isn't that isn't every Asian woman 
but that is a stereotype. And my experiences in Aotearoa with that is is, is really difficult. Like uh, playing in bars where where um, yeah, where older white men will feel like it's their right to come up and put their hand on me and maybe I don't know like you're on stage so you're providing some sort of I, I'm, I'm speculating here providing some sort of service and so therefore like I don't know you're, you're part of their drink or something like yeah I've, I've experienced I've experienced yeah. that before on stage with men yeah um, it's absolutely. like your open access you know you're yeah, anyone definitely. anyone can access you because you're up there yeah. it's, it's yeah. yeah and absolutely like as a performer you're wanting to connect but there's a way of doing that without being like inappropriate or offensive and before you ask me the question that hurts do that this is where the difficult conversation comes in so I still haven't had that conversation despite how many times this has happened because I don't like responding when I'm reacting I want to respond when I've thought about it because I feel that every interaction I have and sometimes this is pretty tiring if you're always intentionally trying to do it this way but I feel like every interaction I have has the ability to make a positive change and if I'm just like angry and I swear or I punch them which has been suggested to me by men like just do that to them that will show them um to me that doesn't leave them reflective in their own time when they're by themselves and make them decide to change and so I've gone through all these different conversations how would I have that conversation would I say you probably have a daughter my age no because maybe he doesn't or um I even said in my mind um what you're doing is really um you're really offending me right now and I regurgitated that to a friend and he said actually what you could say is what you are doing is offensive so it's, it becomes a universal thing and they would reflect and go oh this is actually like universally not okay so they can't do it again so I'm, I'm still waiting to have that conversation another experience I had was I went um I went on a road trip with my dad, who's um, Caucasian in the South Island. In the South Island, there, um, I the I guess Asian community that I've come across has been a lot smaller than up in uh, the North Island. And I had an experience where I was in Blenheim, which is quite a quite a a white community, and I had just got off the ferry played throughout like an hour and a half on the ferry and I was really tired I was wearing baggy clothes and I looked terrible not that that should matter doesn't matter what you're wearing but just it just really caught me off guard had a long travel and I went to the supermarket and this man comes up to me and I'm just shopping and um, he comes up to me and he's probably older than my father and he goes hey how's it going pretty pretty close in my my physical space and I'm like standing with my shopping bag like shopping basket you know wearing baggy clothes and feeling kind of groggy and I was like uh yeah good how's it going you know just quite surprised and he was like where are you from I was like oh okay it's gonna be that conversation and then in the back of my mind I'm like Nikita don't give him a blank canvas like have no expectations this conversation could go anywhere you know he's just being friendly and I was like, oh, I'm from Wellington. 
and he goes and he he pulls his eyes back pulls his eyes back and goes but you're you're asian right no way yeah and i'm standing in this supermarket and i'm in so much shock like my mouth is wide open i'm like in shock that he's pulling his eyes out right in my like personal bubble while we're in the middle of a supermarket i'm i'm in so much shock uh and so yeah i i continue to answer the question because i'm in so much shock and i'm like uh yeah i i am and he was like yeah so where are you where are you from um i was like uh still answering the question because i'm just like trying to process what's going on i was like uh Taiwan I'm, I'm from Taiwan he's like oh but your English is really good and I'm like um and I'm like looking around kind of like looking for allies looking for like is this am I dreaming is this actually happening wow everyone here is like there's no other Asians here becoming really really aware of just how alone I was and I was like yeah I've been here for a long time and he was like yeah Taiwan yeah I hear people are really nice and he was like so uh and then this is when I realized that he was trying to pick me up he said so uh are you married like is your is your husband is he here is he is he also asian and i was like and when i realized that he was trying to pick me up in a very offensive way i said oh my partner which i had at the time i was like oh my partner yeah he's he's a, a mixed bag actually he's irish he's maori he's chinese and he was like oh right cool cool okay see you later and just walked off and i'm just left standing there with my basket and I've become acutely aware that a lot of people are looking at me because of the color of my skin. I, and I, I was just, wow. And then when I walked back to the motel, because I, I was doing a shot for Dad and I, um, I'm walking back and I, I have these people just driving past and just like beeping at me and yelling out the window. And I don't know what it was about that day. I looked pretty like disheveled I looked pretty farmer vibe so I don't even know what was going on that day but um so that's those are like really potent memories of my experience as like an Asian woman woman in Aotearoa and I'm yeah so since that experience I'm like okay if that were to happen again how am I going to have that conversation and I yeah, I think I'd have to be like, what you're saying right now is incredibly offensive. And yeah, that, that's, that's a real hard one because people are a product of their influences and their experience, right? So the compassionate side of me is like, you haven't experienced an Asian community where, I don't know, whatever stereotype you're used to, that is not actually, we don't fall into that category. And then my compassionate side also goes, he's trying to connect you know, but then my, my side that wants to look after me is like, that is not okay. That is not an okay way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. <laughs> Nikita, I am like writhing in my seat for you. Oh my yeah. goodness. I want yeah, to yeah, go yeah, back yeah. and like get a can of beans and be like, mm. that is not okay to this person. I think, and that you, I think, oh man. I think one of the really, um, difficult parts of that as well was then um, I went back to the motel room and I told my dad about it and my dad doesn't like confrontation and he just kind of looked really defeated and he was just like oh you just got to ignore people like that you know and I'm like ah oh, 
you don't get it because you're white (laughs) you know and just feeling really 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 alone in that moment and I remember calling my friend uh Chai Ling who's this awesome Malaysian Chinese Kiwi uh actor and artist based up in Tamaki or Makoto and I told her I was just so upset I think upset also that I didn't have any allies in my physical space including my dad and it wasn't his fault that he didn't get it he just you know he doesn't he also doesn't have the way of communicating that I like to communicate you know that I want to make changes I do want to make changes and ruffle ruffle the sheets without being aggressive and without shaming people but it's just a really really it's a longer road it's a harder road to travel um doing it that way um and it involves a lot of like processing pain um and so I called her up and I was like pretty upset and she, you know she was like angry and she was like this is why we're making art this is why we're like putting ourselves out there and we're like representing like the Asian community and like you know blah 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 and I was just like yeah yeah cool 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 um what was interesting about that experience though is after I traveled around the South Island, I grew to have more compassion towards that man who I met in the supermarket. Because what I experienced on that South Island trip was, this is what my experience was. I'm not saying this is what is South Island. But most of the um, Asian women I came across um, on that particular trip, I saw were part of tour groups, um, like tourists, or sometimes just in the middle of nowhere there were younger Asian women with older white men and so my compassion grew because I was like that is all that man knows that man in the supermarket that's what he's experienced in the South Island and I've been fortunate to grow up in Tamaki where the Asian community is a lot bigger yes there's a lot of racism there but there's also a lot more like diversity and understanding and space for people not to just be like the stereotypical whoever whatever you know um and so yeah that was an interesting shift of my own perspective and um compassion thank you so much for sharing that um that's so rough yeah oh man yeah and that makes me actually think about the song that you have i can't remember its title um that you wrote about the christchurch terrorist attack What's that in, you know, is it called mm. This Is Not Us? No, no. Um, it's called, oh, it's called Violets They Grow. That's right. Because there's like a saying that I read somewhere that um, people that garden or people that plant believe in tomorrow. So it's, it's an act of hope. Because if you are in despair and you don't believe in tomorrow, you wouldn't be planting seeds, right? So Violets They Grow, uh, yeah, so that song, it was interesting because there was a lot of um, sharing, and I'm not saying it was the wrong thing to do, um, but there was a lot of sharing of This Is Not Us, and it didn't sit well with me because um, for people to say This Is Not Us are people that haven't experienced racism in Aotearoa. Um, so yeah, when people were writing This Is Not Us, I had a funny reaction to it where I was like, well, this my experience of growing up as an ethnic minority in Aotearoa is this is Aotearoa um my experience of being an adult walking behind 
teenage boys and or walking in front of teenage boys and feeling like threatened in case like I'd get you know teased or something for the color of my skin like that doesn't come from nowhere so yeah my reaction to that was okay once again this is people saying this is not us because they haven't experienced that within Aotearoa and in many ways Aotearoa is a really safe space and um, for a lot of people it was a really big shock for them but for many people that are the ethnic minority it's not it's not a big shock like I mean the the terrorist act itself was a shock but racism was not a shock um even now with COVID like xenophobia is huge like in the Asian community like especially in Auckland and some of the stories I've been hearing from my friends up in Auckland are just terrible and so with regards to that song there's there's like a metaphor which is we have to shine we have to confront we have to shine that light on that part of ourselves so on that part of Aotearoa on the part of the community that are racist we have to confront that and have the ouch that hurts conversation Um, but this is good for us because if we're constantly in denial about something it will never go away and nothing will ever change if we confront it we we see it for what it is in in the pain and the sorrow and the the ugliness of racism and discrimination then we can go oh this is a part of us okay now how do we change that yeah I mean I I've heard from films um is it one of the things you first do when you have like an addiction is you admit that you have an addiction and then you can kind of pull that apart and work through that I guess it's the same thing it's like admitting that this is a thing yeah, so the idea was to shine a light. That song was to shine a light and then make the change. Show the world as well, you know? Not keep it hiding behind closed doors. Showing the world, showing our true selves. Um, it's always about honesty, right? In order to, yeah, make some changes. And I often say this, it's like, if our journey or if our process isn't honest, then our outcome will never be honest. And honesty includes like having those difficult conversations and transparency and working through conflict because that is really like, oh, working with the flaws, you know? Um, yeah, so that's what that song's about. <laughs> Incredible. I think that came to mind as well, what you were talking about there, about shining the light. It's like admitting the shame, and feeling mm-hmm. the shame around being like, oh, I'm racist. And then untangling the shame from that mm. word mm-hmm. and not like, okay, and it's bad in the sense that that prejudice can make you then act a certain way. But to kind of, you know, the guru Brene Brown always says that shame needs secrecy to survive. And so then it will uh. perpetuate the more that yeah. we keep things secret. Yeah, totally. And rather than pretending that you're a Taiwanese Kiwi woman, rather than me pretending that I don't see that and acknowledge that I'm going to feel the shame, the fact that I've probably done stuff like that that's made people feel unsafe in the past. And yeah. like that yeah, man yeah, in the yeah. supermarket who didn't know. Yeah, it. yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was the other one as well. Like people used to be like, oh, yeah, I'm colorblind. Like just say, like, I don't see color. But um, that's not what 
I, I don't believe. I mean, also, once again, I am an Asian person living in Aotearoa, but I can't speak for every Asian person. We are not one thought. You know, we are a collective, just like the Caucasian community. Everyone has totally different views. So I can only speak for myself and my experience, and that is that um, growing up as an Asian person in Aotearoa, I had internalized racism big time. Um, and that's been a really interesting conversation to have with my sister because how we dealt with racism were the complete opposites. And we didn't even know because we're four years apart and we haven't had the conversation until in the last year, which I'm amazed. I'm amazed that it's taken us this long to have that conversation, but I'm really grateful that we are. And I was that Asian kid in high school that um, all my friends were non-Asian people. And I was that Asian person in my group that would be threatened if another Asian person came along. I was that Asian person in the group who would make jokes about Asians and put myself down. So it's self-deprecation and laughing at it because it felt better to laugh with my friends than to be laughed at. And man, I had to undo that and I'm still undoing that. Oh, yes. What we were talking about before as well is it's totally normal. Well, I feel like it's normal to have thoughts, right? To have judgmental thoughts to have stereotypes in our mind like we live in a society and we are conditioned we're a product of our influences but it's what we do with that thought and how we react to things out loud because what we do out here makes a much bigger ripple than our thoughts and I think when we come to our thoughts we can go oh Nikita that's that's not nice what are you gonna do with that okay why did I think that? Okay, cool. Don't think that. <laughs> I, yeah, or think that, yeah. but don't act on that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah we yeah. need those stereotypes and biases um, from cognitive cognitive psychology. Survival. Um, survival, yeah, because there's yeah. too much stuff to interpret all the time. So we need to like, yeah. okay, figure it out. That's what that is. That's a cloud. Yep, cool. That's a tree. I've seen that before. That person looks like that. They're dangerous, you know? Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, 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 yeah. They're not, they're not dangerous. They are yeah. wearing a hoodie. Like, that's okay. You know, all good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think one of the best things we can offer is, or one of the best things we can work on, this is the thing I'm focusing on, is like how we react to things. And reacting is like what comes outwardly in the world. What was the question? <laughs> you answer when we're, we're, we're chatting, you know. It's not just okay, like okay. I go, you go, Q&A, okay, you know. So... Rapid fire, pew, pew, pew. No, this is a slow burn. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> this is a slow burn. But I've, I, we've got to wrap it up soon. So okay, I've got cool. one more question for you. Okay. If I was to give you a way to transmit a message to the world, so maybe that's like a little text message they get on their phone mm. or it's on a billboard or something. You could write mm. it in the sky. What would it say? Oh, I feel like I'd need like a month to come up with what the wording would be, but I, I know what the feeling would be. Um, so it's just a feeling. It's, there's no words. And I would want to conjure up all of the really joyful experiences I've had and that feeling, not necessarily the experience, but just the feeling and like a little um, 
and I don't mean a pill, okay? I'm not talking about drugs here. I'm talking about the feeling in its most pure and organic state. And you, you, everyone will know that feeling when you have that really amazing experience and no one is there and it's like not about anyone else. It's not about being on show. You don't have an audience. It's just this pure moment you have with whatever it is you are doing in the universe or with an interaction with other people. That, that feeling, I'd like to give that feeling to people. That, that would be what I'd want. So that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely okay oh that's beautiful yeah thank yeah. you <laughs> I, all, I, all that's coming to mind for me is um either an emoji which is kind of lame or a snapshot <laughs> a snapshot of us doing karaoke at <laughs> um, and then like I was talking about before hearing Eartha Kit in that little snippet and how she says I fall in love with myself every day maybe it's Fall in love with yourself every day. Um, but I guess wording is so important because I'd want that to resonate with everyone. And everyone reacts to words so differently. And that's why it feels like it's more of a feeling that I want to send to everyone. Because some people will read that and the cynic in them will be like, whatever. But I just want to give them the, the feeling of love and joy and as cheesy as that might sound, that is really just my desire, really. Mm. That's sensational. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, I've had fun. Thanks, Liv. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't she the bomb? Please go and listen to her music. Uh, Kita, she's got her solo stuff out. Everywhere you get music, you can follow her on the socials. Kita Sounds. And I will chat to you soon. For this podcast to continue, I could really use your support. If you enjoyed the episode, please screenshot it and put it on your social media. Send the episode to your friend or family. And if you can click subscribe to the episodes, they'll fall into your algorithm like your old friend JJ popping into your ear every week. I appreciate it so much. And as well as listening to this podcast, you can just keep on listening to your own wisdom by asking the questions, big and small, like, does it hurt when you do that? Don't do that.